This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like the manager at the shoe store likes to call me, the Fintern. Would you believe that I drove all the way over to Joe's mom's old house only to find it all locked up? You'd think somebody would have filled me in that they'd moved. So, I texted Joe, who said he's at the library planning a trip to Germany, rushed over to the new place, and I must say, it's pretty snazzy. Thick shag carpet, dreamy. If you're a time traveler from 1972. In any case, all this house talk got me thinking about the fact that someday I'll buy my own Casa de la Fintern with a white picket fence and probably a much better basement than this one. So, to help both you and myself, I found the perfect episode to play today. I present to you Stacking Benjamins Episode 326, Crushing Student Loans and Buying Houses, Your Letters. Speaking of student loans, I might need more of this episode than I'd originally thought. And one more thing. Remember that this episode is from early 2016, so while your student loans may still be on the table, any giveaways or prizes won't be. Enjoy, Fintern out. Here's the song that we'd like to do for all the younger set of people, the teenagers and what have you. This one's called Vacation Zope. Vacation's over. It's over. Tried to tell me We missed you so much Live from Joe's mom's basement It's the Stacking Benjamin Show On today's triumphant return to podcasting and hyperbole We deftly reply to your lovingly penned letters And... 
even save time for a headline about an insurance company pulling a fast one, some trivia, wait a minute, let me rephrase that, the trivia, and more. Here they are, because the lock mom put on the basement wasn't strong enough, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! We busted that thing easy. Yeah, one of those big bolt cutters. That's how you get into the little storage facilities around the corner, like when you want to look and see what other people have. Into the high school football stadium on the weekend. <laughs> eh, that's a little more risky. Not so much. We might talk about that one later. I've got a good story about that. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we are back, OG. We are back. Fantastic. This is a good news, bad news thing. The good news is we are back. The bad news is this is going to be a six-week segment instead of eight weeks. We're going to go six weeks on. But I'll tell you what, because we're cutting. Oh, I know why. Because we're going six weeks, we are going to make it action-packed. So, and by the way, I said, hey, OG, this is the other guy, or as we call him, OG, singing across the card table from me. Yeah, I mean, basically... I've already been introduced because you just introduced I know. me. I did the bad introduction thing. But you know what I'll try to do a better introduction for? Heading to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go to magnify money, you save $450 if you're the average person on your debt products, your checking account, your savings account. I just started helping a good friend sort through their financial picture. And the very first thing we did, OG, was we went to magnify money. And I said, hey, all right, first thing we're going to do is we're going to sign up for the best in class stuff. Your bank doesn't love you and you never go to the bank. So why do you need just the local one when there's all kinds of great stuff out there? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Nick, Brian, Aaron, and the team have done a heck of a job setting up that site. And another place that's just rocking. These guys are in the news all the time. SoFi, that's spelled S-O-F. Haven't you seen SoFi all over the place? All over. Here's the deal, guys. If you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You can either choose, you can click on personal loans, mortgages, or on student loans, and you will find that the rates that they offer you are way better way, way better than you will find elsewhere. And the reason is they are a marketplace lender that's trying to grow very quickly. And Nick from Magnify Money said this. He's like, this is the time to use a marketplace lender like SoFi because they want your business. They're not worried about, you know, shareholder value and all that stuff that banks are worried about yet. So stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI for your next loan. Got to have great credit, but that's not a problem with our audience, right, OG? We have the best listeners ever. And they were nice enough to send us some letters. Today's one of our favorite episodes. It's all letters. And we're going to follow it up on Wednesday by our second favorite, a top five. How long has it been since we've done a top five? That's old school. I know. We are going back when we used to do these. Before we had any guests at all, remember? We're like, what are we going to do today? Let's do a top five. My favorite. I still have my notebook that has all my top fives in it. (laughs) And now we are going to recreate that. So... Great guess, but those are coming up next week. Right now, we got some headlines. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Oh, insurance company pulling a fast one, OG. This, according to the Los Angeles Times, Prudential pulls a fast one on long-term care insurance policy holders. This is written by David Lazarus. Buying long-term care isn't an easy decision says Mr. Lazarus in that article. And that's true, isn't it? Everybody has a hard it's time so with this. so expensive. No matter what you it's do, like though. Any kind of insurance. Life insurance, I get, right? So life insurance, you can say, 
well, I want to protect other people or something like that. But every other type of insurance, I mean, life insurance, you know, to get paid, you get something bad has to happen too, but you're right. dead and gone. But everything else, you know, to have AFLAC work, you got to go to the hospital, right? <laughs> There's no cheap way around this though. If you don't get the insurance and it happens to you, well, okay. And if you get the insurance and you end up not using it, which is becoming less and less likely as people live longer and longer, it's a tough issue. So there's this thing that long-term care insurance policies put on their policies called inflation protector, where every year, as you know, the cost of long-term care goes up and up and you can have the policy automatically go up with it. In some policies, you'll pay the same amount forever and your inflation protector will go up on Prudential's Prudential's insurance protector gives people the ability to buy more insurance and then pay a higher premium for that insurance. Well, in the old days, it used to be that Prudential would ask long-term care policyholders if they wanted to up their insurance ante. Now they've decided, number one, it's going to be automatic. So every single year, your policy cost will go up. Now, that's cool because you'll get more insurance, right? Which you probably need because of inflation. But if you don't want it to go up, you have to tell them no. And you have to send them a written letter. You can't email them. You can't opt out online. You have to send them a written letter for you not to pay them more money. That's a bunch of baloney, man. Sounds like I'm a part of a social group. And in our social group, we have dues. Well, just once a year. And it's $65. And the guy who runs it's 173 years old. And he requires us to mail him a check. You can't PayPal him. No or... PayPal. No. Yeah, I mean, shoot, you give him cash. He doesn't take cash. You have to mail him a check for $65 once a year. And we were joking because we were having a meeting last night about it. And we were joking because we said, you know, I write three checks a year. And this is at least one of them. Sometimes it's two because we have like, you know, some other kind of thing. Yeah, stuff that comes up. So, so you think everybody boy, Prudential must... Right, you gotta... Everybody Prudential must be 175 years old or they I, really, really, really don't want you to opt out. It just feels like they're handcuffing you. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I get the inflation rider thing. It's important. And if you're going to buy long-term care insurance, you should have the inflation rider. Agreed. But the in writing thing, what is it? 1973? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with in writing too. There's Can I of, just put it in writing and scan it with my phone and text it to you? Yeah. It's or, in writing, kind of. Or go to the Prudential website, click a button and... Yeah, maybe, log into my account, click no thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Bush League stuff. Huh? Yeah. Shame on you, Prudential. Second article comes to us from Business Insider. This one, more evergreen. I just thought this is something good for you and I to talk about because a lot of the letters that we get on this show have to do with investing. And whether you're a beginning investor at 20, a beginning investor at 60, or someplace in between, I thought these are good for you and I to talk about. This is by Bob Sullivan from Grow. Seven rookie investing mistakes and how to avoid them. These are really some rookie mistakes. The number one, I think, is the big one, not investing enough. We get too many letters from people that are worried about rate of return and not enough about what you can do. You can't control what the investment does, no matter how good a job you do picking it, you can't control it, but you can control how much you put in. And nobody wants to focus on that part. That's the biggest component, right? 
it's your contribution and how quickly you start it, actually. You know, if you start saving when you're 16, you're going to be a whole different person at 30 than the guy who starts at 42. I had the pleasure for the FinCon podcast called the Money and Media Podcast. It's for people that are interested in financial media. It's a great show. So if you're somebody interested in that kind of the behind the scenes stuff, subscribe to that show. But I had the opportunity to talk to Clark Howard, you know, from HLN and CNN, syndicated radio show. Clark Howard, OG, talked about how he had a leg up that most people don't have. That's how he became so money savvy was that his dad worked on Wall Street and his dad at an early age taught himself stuff. If somebody's not going to teach you, you have to go out and get that education yourself and you got to get it. I just had the talk with my son. The talk. Not the birds and the bees. No. The compounding interest talk. Yeah. He asked about, so, you know, they got a bank account and, you know, I make them open their statements and go, hey, you made 13 cents in interest or whatever. So we've talked about, you know, you can have your money make money. So he was asking me about my job as an advisor and we were talking a little bit about it. And he said, how exactly do you help people, you know, with that? And I said, well, you know, I've got on the wall, I said, you know, I get that picture, that Disney picture. And he says, oh yeah, I know, I know that. And I said, I said, that's actually a piece of paper that says that I own a very infinitesimal part of Disney. And he looks at me, he says, what? You own Disney? I said, well, no, not enough to make any... Any discounts at the park, I got to be honest. But, you know, maybe the amount I own could get us one day in the park if we sold all of her. But it was the first time he kind of figured out that you can own individual companies. You saw the light bulb come on. It did. And he's like, I want to own Microsoft. I love Xbox. And I'm like, I would be happy to take all of your savings account money and dump it at Microsoft. Are you kidding me? I'd be so proud. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, well, we can buy like little parts of all these different places. What about like toy companies and all this? And yeah, absolutely. We could do all that. So great stuff. So old junior might get himself a a Roth IRA or something. Number two on our list is not risking enough. And we see this when people are in their twenties and they're long-term talked about this before. Why are you using a robo advisor when you're 24 years old and this money is in an IRA for the time when you're over 60 years old, forget about diversifying into 30 different asset classes. You can take more risk when you're young and because Time and a diversified investment really helps. I mean, look at the 40-year. I just got a great letter from Chris that we'll get to a few episodes from now. But the great thing that Chris said was, look at the small cap index over a 40-year period, OG. I mean, you're looking at a 15% plus rate of return on that thing. It's going to go up and down big time. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Like, what would $1,000 or I can't remember what I say, 10000 maybe? I say 10000 turn into... If you used inflation or if you used government bonds or large cap stocks since 1945, I'm forgetting if we used 1940 or 1945. Basically, it's the lifetime of a baby boomer, right? And the number was 51 million in small cap stocks. It's amazing. That's crazy. 51 million. 50 million. And even if you're wrong by like two thirds. Yeah. Wouldn't that be okay? I like the robos, but I think the wrong people are using them. They're largely used by the wrong people. Number three, not asking for help. According to a Capital One investing survey, 87% of young investors say they trust themselves to make investment decisions, but only 15% of millennials told UBS they're happy with their portfolios, which suggests (laughs) a big fat disconnect. There's, There's a little dichotomy. Yes. I don't ask anybody for help. and I. But I'm good. I got this. But, but this sucks. But, right. This thing over here is terrible. 
It's ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm really good at it. I think I got it from here. I'm a whiz bang at screwing up you my stuff. The problem is, is that there's too much focus on the cost of that, right? There's too many commercials about that. And people are getting it kind of beat into their skulls. You know, a Charles Schwab commercial, for example. You know, hey, well, do you get your money back if, if you're not happy? Oh, God, it doesn't work that way, son. Oh, yes, it does, dad. You know, that sort of stuff is like conditioning people to think, oh, you know, financial advisors are either very expensive or only for really rich people. I wasn't going to bring this up since you said that. Recent article in Esquire written by a guy or... You have like weird syllabic, like where you put the emphasis just really is, it's very unique. What do you mean? What was the name of the magazine? Esquire. Okay, that time you said Esquire. Esquire. Yeah. This one, the other one you said Esquire. Esquire. Yeah. Yeah. I do either or. I know you like it both ways, but go ahead. <laughs> so, anyway, so, you're reading a magazine. So, um, Some dudes yeah, are in it. Yeah, and there's a guy in it who, by the way, asked to be of on our show. there was. <laughs> What's that? Never mind. <laughs> there's a guy who asked to be on the show before, and I wouldn't let him on the show because I think he's a jerk. But I'll leave that. By the way, another guy who was in Esquire recently was Joshua Sheets from Radical Personal Finance. He's cool. been on the show. But yeah, this other guy, his whole thing was about if you're going to be a multimillionaire, focus on fees. And what's funny is, remember we, we had Angus Magenfeld on with the richest investors ever. And I had to ask him about it. Nobody in his list focused on fees. The richest people didn't focus on it at all. Yet you're right. We got this thing that's beaten into our heads that says, lower fees is better. Lower fee of the investment is better, but you still got to pick the right investments. Let me ask you. And look at the average holding time for an investment. I mean, people hold on to investments, what, for two years? Not even. Not even. I think it's 13 months. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Only because that's the cutoff on long-term gains. Some people are smart enough to wait. 14, 15 months. I'm going to start advertising a low-cost cardiologist. I'm going to be the low-cost provider. For heart surgery here in this area. Because studies show that... You want the overworked and underpaid. That's who you want well, to be helping you with your heart surgery. Well, but there's a disconnect there because more money paid toward fees, right, means less money for you. Less money toward your heart surgeon does not mean more for you. It means less for you. So you see what I mean? There's a difference there. I get what you're saying. But there is a... You're saying like the fees don't go anywhere. I'm saying that the fees are who you're hiring. I think the investments should be inexpensive. But when you hire a professional, you pay for what you get. I think there has to be quality. Correct. Yep. We are speaking the same language. Number five, setting it... Speaking from the same sheet. <laughs> Let's do these other ones really quickly. Setting it and forgetting we're it. we're tracking this out. <laughs> setting it, forgetting it could be a big mistake. And then a misunderstanding diversification, right? Mm. Can be a mistake. And then last is ignoring fees, which we just covered. I'll link to these on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Weird show today with letters. Normally we have Doug's trivia next, but you know what? We're going to do the courtesy hotline first because we've got a stack of letters that we'll cover after Doug's trivia. Quotacy, why spend time talking to some cheesy insurance agent for hours and hours when you can very quickly go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash quotacy, Q-U-O-T-A-C-Y, right? And you'll get quick quotes on life insurance from 17 of the nation's largest and best insurance companies. And also, 
You know, we talked a little bit ago about disability coverage. Now, Quartices uh, told me they're going to have a separate disability button. They do sell disability insurance. You got to write me for that because they have to ask you some more questions. But it's coming, folks. But what's coming on the Quartices hotline? We've got Orvis up next. Hey, Orvis. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Orvis. I am about a year into my journey of learning personal finance and getting some long-term savings going. So I graduated from college a couple of years ago and knocked out my student deck pretty quickly in about three years by really putting a lot of extra money into it. And I've built up an emergency fund and married my wife. And now we moved uh, across the globe a couple of times to follow family and work. But now that we're a little more stable, we'd like to start really saving for retirement. And in doing so, I opened a Roth IRA, which... I don't have enough money currently to max out for last year's tax year, but I'm thinking of selling some taxable accounts that I was gifted when I graduated. It's a account through a investing company who is very much in favor of managed funds, and I've totally drank the Kool-Aid of... ETFs and index funds and all those. And my advisor really, really disagrees. But I'm trying to figure out if it makes sense in a taxable sense to sell those off and fund an IRA. Love to hear what you think. Thanks. Well, the key piece missing here is, was there a gain? That's going to be the first question you're going to ask. Yeah. So, yeah, but still, as young as he is, though, as young as he know, is. I, absolutely. Yeah. I, what I was going to say was, I'm going to ask two questions. One, you got enough cash reserve because it's non-qualified money. So it's a little bit more liquid than retirement accounts would be. So I'd make sure, hey, if you got any other big projects coming up, you're going to redo the basement or you're going to put a pool in or, you know, whatever that you might need this money for. If the answer is no, I'm probably going to take the non-qualified account, turn it into a Roth. I might do that for my money and my wife's money if I can, if I've got enough. Shelter as much of it as possible. Yeah. And if you have it now, if it was gifted to you, so here's the sticky wicket here. There's some different taxation on that. If the person who gifted it to you was alive when they gifted it to you, then you're going to pay tax on the entire amount that you were gifted based on what they paid for it. So let's say that grandma bought a stock for $10 a share back in 1972, and it was for $10 a share and gave it to you when it was worth $50 a share and gave you $10,000 worth. Well, you're going to pay tax on the whole gain that that stock has had if grandma was alive when she gave it to you. If grandma had passed away and you got it by virtue of a will or an estate settlement or a trust or something like that, then the taxes will be a little bit different. You'll pay taxes based on the gain from the day she passed away. So that might help solve it a little bit. But if you're talking about a $6,000 Roth IRA contribution for this year, so what he's probably talking about, even if all of it was gain, it was a dollar investment that grew to 6000 That's going to be a long-term gain. You're going to pay 10 or 15% on it. You know, maybe you got to set some money aside to pay the tax bill in a year from now, if, if it's that much. But even if it was that full amount, I'd still do it. But I like I that. Love tax-free money. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I like that first thing, though, that you said, which is, is there a gain or not? Because so many people make those choices and they don't know until we're right after tax time here. And so many people go, oh, what do you mean? I got a text. What? Huh? Yeah. Not good stuff. By the way, congratulations, Orvis. What a lot of great stuff going on in his life, yeah. huh? Getting Gold married. Trotter. 
Got retirement going on. Yeah. Getting married, paying off his student loans. Nice job. If you've got a question, just like Orvis did, send those to us, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. I should, by the way, people probably yelling into the radio right now. He also talked about active versus passive. And, you know, I think that we can go back to our headline segment to address that OG. It more is about does the investment fit the time frame, right? I mean, if you're going to be in small cap stocks, historically, there are plenty of active managers who do a great job in that area. But if you're taking a more large cap approach, then certainly the S&P 500 as a fund is a better place to be, I think, than a lot of active managers. Unless you can pick the one that... Yeah, if you're the only person in the history of mankind that can pick the mutual fund manager that's going to outperform this next, year. Next year, right. Yeah, congratulations. You have a future in uh, all sorts of stuff, as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's you. But yeah, I don't have a problem with small cap active managers, generally speaking, because they do sometimes yeah. provide some value. You're looking for alpha. That's the characteristic. That's the math equation. If you're looking at Morningstar, you're evaluating a fund. Look at the alpha. And that's the risk adjusted return that the managers provide. Yep. What's the manager adding to your portfolio? Great stuff. And by the way, on that note, OG, if the advisor is just fundamentally opposed to passive investing. Yeah, what's that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not, it not, tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Not good there. All right. hundred OG. <laughs> if you've got a question for us and you want to go toward the head of the class, we actually have had over the break a few people submit stuff into our voicemail line, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, but certainly much faster than the mailbag, which we'll get to right after Doug. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, it's time to get the rust out and crank up this here trivia machine. Everyone properly warmed up? Good, then let's play ball. Before our break, we talked about Benjamin Franklin writing Mind Your Business on Early American Money. What year was the phrase, in God we trust, added to coins? I'll have the answer a little later in the show. I'm so thankful we have two great sponsors for the Stacking Benjamins podcast. Our first one is Magnify Money. They've been a longtime sponsor of our show, as many of you know. And if you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money like many of you have, you'll know why. And what I love about them is that Nick Clements, the CEO at Magnify Money, tells people that you can use the surfing strategy. You surf down to a 0% interest rate. And then when your interest rate starts to come back up, you surf to a different card. Nick Clements says that's a great strategy, but it also has some pitfalls. Uh, it's it's painful if you stay around when the promotional period is over, but it has, it's actually really, really easy to move the debt when you're done. So it's more laziness that gets people stuck in the balance transfer than, than anything else. Banks are betting on laziness. <laughs> That's a tagline right there. So whether you're comparing your checking account, savings account, or your credit cards, head to stackingbenjamins.com and surf safely. Don't be lazy. And here's the transition. How about this? First time I heard about SoFi, our other sponsor, was from Nick. Nick, who you just heard from, magnifymoney.com. And the reason was, he said the SoFi was awesome. So I looked into him and guess what? Not only were they awesome, they decided to become our sponsor. I asked Dan Macklin how hard the process is when it comes to getting a loan from SoFi. It's really easy. You go to SoFi.com and apply. It takes about 10 minutes. We ask for a few pieces of information. 
and then we will approve you or not approve you uh, instantly in the vast majority of cases. So within 10 minutes, you'll know if you have a rate, uh, what that rate is, and we'll show you calculations as to how much money you can save. So it's extremely quick and simple. Easy process, great people, and Nick at Magnify Money loves them. How great's that? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, S-O-F-I, and that'll tell Dan and the team over there at SoFi that we sent you, and if the sponsor ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? trivia nerds. Yeah, that's a compliment. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with the most requested part of the podcast, the trivia answer. Or as Alex in North Carolina writes, why don't you just give us the trivia answer? See, people love this part. Here was the question. Benjamin Franklin wrote, mind your business on early American money. What year was the phrase in God we trust added to coins? Well, if you said 1864, you'd be right. The phrase was added three years after a minister in Pennsylvania petitioned for the move. Some say it was a partially public relations move intended to show that God was on the Union side of the American Civil War. And you thought you didn't learn anything on this show. See ya! You went early 1900s. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, kind of felt like I should know that. Good stuff, though. God used his as a PR move. Say that never happens. Never. Yeah. The cynic in me says it might be otherwise. What do you really think? Hey, we've got a bunch of listener letters. You've been nice enough to trust us with your letters. And we decided, what the heck, OG? Let's get crazy and let's answer a few of them. If you've got a letter for us and you don't want to hear yourself on the show, go to joe at stackingbenjamins.com. That's my email address. Here we go. First letter comes to us from Casey. Casey says, hey, Joe and OG. Casey will be graduating from graduate school next year and is going to have 60000 in student loans at 5.8% interest. How should Casey prioritize paying off this debt versus investing? Should Casey pay off these loans first and then start investing, or is there another strategy? Thank you for everything you do. And Casey listens to the podcast every morning. Thanks, Casey. All right. What do you got, OG? 5.8% on student loans, 60000 bucks. Invest, pay down the student loan, what? Both. I pick... Put your 401k money up to the match. Put everything else on student loans. I think After the, you have a cash reserve. Yeah, and I think the first thing we should do is go to a place like SoFi. If you use our link, the stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi link. Seriously, when you look at student loan rates, Nick at Magnified Money said this, you're not going to find a lower rate on refinancing your student loans. So unless you are eligible for some of the time-based repayment programs, if you've got a strategy that doesn't involve refinance, then don't do that. But first, get that rate as low because I think, OG, the lower that rate is on student loans, the more you just let them go. Yeah. It's an interest rate problem. Right. It's still cash flow though, right? I mean, yeah. no, you're you still right. have to pay the 300 a month and it's not. It's fun to not have 300 a month. But it's $60,000 in student loans unless they're different types and you can bang one out early. You're not going to change cash flow for a long time no matter what you do. True. So does that mean you just give up and go, ah, forget it. I'll never get it done. No, I'm just saying. I'll never retire. So I should probably, I mean, I can't save the hundred dollars is a lot of money right now to me, but you know, I mean, I got to save like 2 million. I'll never make it. But if she gets them down to three and a half percent, would your answer change? No, I don't think so. I'd say get the 401k going, you know, retirement plan with the company match, cash reserve. And well, I mean, what else are you going to do with the money? 
interest rate arbitrage is too seductive. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's I invest my money at eight, but I pay three on the money. I don't know, man. I still think I would totally do that. I mean, we get questions all the time about the you would do that about the pay down the mortgage early professional, right? I don't know. This is the one thing that I agree with Dave Ramsey on. If somebody cut you a check to pay off your house, right, and paid off your house for you, would you go to the bank tomorrow morning and remortgage it so you can take the money and invest it? I would take the check and I'd never You don't get the the check. Somebody goes to the bank and pays off the house for you. Would I refinance my house then and take the money out? No. Would you go, oh, well, you know, interest rate arbitrage is so awesome. I'll just go refi it for, you know. I mean, I'm not entirely sure this house actually would be refinanceable, the quality of this basement, you know, the inspection. I don't know. We'd have to like shut it, shutter the the inspector not to be able to come down here. I can't imagine mom refinancing this place. problem here in the basement. Right. It's called Doug. <laughs> Our next, thanks for the question, Casey. Our next one comes to us from Allie. Allie says she's a big fan of the podcast, helping her on her journey to financial health. Allie says she's 28 years old in Los Angeles. Right now has about $20,000 in a high yield online savings and money market. Not exactly sure what she should focus on, paying off student loans, saving to buy a house, or buy a smaller property like a condo now while interest rates are low. She says that so far, she's been following a PIP plan. The first P is for preparing for the unexpected by having an emergency fund, three or four months of living of or worth of living expenses and proper insurance. The I is for investing for the future. She contributes 6% of her salary to the 401k Roth. Unfortunately, it has no match. And the third P is her only debt is to pay off her low interest rate student loans, 35,000 at 6.08% interest. She has no other debt. At the current rate, she's paying it off. It'll be done in about seven or eight years. And she's also looking to refinancing for a better deal to find uh, possible better options. She also has a good high credit score. So she wants to take advantage of that as well. So her question is this, should she pay off her student loans more aggressively? Number two, invest in a more diverse portfolio like Betterment, Wealthfront, or Realty Shares. Number three, save more for a house and still pay student loans, but at a lower amount, or take advantage of historic low interest rates and purchase a small condo before interest rates rise, she says, which will be around the election. As of now, after my emergency fund, I have about three to 4% down of 450,000, which she knows is not ideal but she'd want to take advantage of the low interest rates. Plus she'd be living with her boyfriend and her brother who'd be helping pay it off. They'd split it three ways. If she goes that route, then she has some questions about how to do the mortgage. So let's cover that part first. OG pay off student loans more aggressively, invest in a more diverse portfolio, save for a house and still pay down her student loans, but at a lower rate or buy a smaller condo now to get in the housing market while rates are low. Well, the one thing that jumped out at me was the guessing on when interest rates were going to skyrocket. Again, if you can do that accurately, you should probably, I don't know, change jobs and be an interest rate prognosticator because there's no one in the world so far that can do that accurately. So you'd have a kind of corner on the market, he says sarcastically. That's actually the first thing I said to her when I wrote her back. I'm like, by the way... We have seen stock market changes, but because the Fed is not beholden at all to the president, right? Yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
Joe said a funny thing. I wrote it down in my diary. <laughs> because the Fed is a separate arm, Janet Yellen and company can do whatever they, they want to do. They don't have any influence. I wouldn't worry about the interest rate thing. If it moves a point and a half or something in either direction, I don't think that matters that much. So, okay, a couple things on the house piece, condo piece. You can't build your house plan, your cash flow plan on other people being there to pay for the mortgage, right? Brother gets a, you know, different job and moves to Nebraska. Boyfriend ceases to be a boyfriend. Now you're kind of tied up with that whole situation. You need to be able to fund the cash flow of the house if that's where you want to move. I wouldn't buy a house or a condo just because I want to buy a house or a condo for no other reason than the interest rates are low, so I should buy one today. You know, buy one because that's where you want to live or that's where you want to build a family or that's it's in a good school district or you found a great deal or whatever the case may be. That's fine. Which is why she should probably focus on the house and not the condo. Because it doesn't sound like the condo is the goal. Yeah. If, if it's just a step, you know, skip it. Yep. <laughs> you know, Agreed. what's the difference? Refinance the student loans. I agree with that. That would have a little bit of an impact, you know, kind of just like what we talked about with the last letter. And then saving for the house versus saving more investments or something like that. Is there a big difference between those, do you think? Having an investment account that's an investment account or having an investment account that's the house savings account? I don't If she's going to invest it into one of the robo-advisors, the house might be too soon. In other words, if the goal is, let's say, three years away or two years away with the house, I don't know that I want that in stocks. Well, yeah, but it doesn't sound like there's a goal there. It sounds like it's a, eh, you know, if I get a house. That was my first thought, too. We got to put some time frames on these. Got to make them more specific. And I know that that's why she's saying the condo, right? Because then the goal's now. But if we say the condo isn't where she should be focused, where do we look? Well, ultimately, it's just going to boil down to what's most important. You know what I mean? To Is her. It more important? Yeah, to her. Is it more important to her to be more set up for retirement? Is it more important to have a larger down payment at some point in time? Is it more important to have a larger investment portfolio and delay the house purchase? That's going to be personal preference yeah, more than anything. But I'd say for sure, probably skip the condo. I'd say when you're starting to figure out the cash flow of owning a property, don't count on other people to, you know, oh, I'll get roommates. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But even if you have roommates, they could stiff you, right? If, they can say, I'm not going to pay today and you still have to pay it. Your name's on the thing. If you right. do, that's icing on the cake. Look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the student loans definitely refinance. You get a good credit score. And you're at, what did she say, 5.8 or something? Yeah. Is that the other one? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely refinance definitely those. Definitely refinance those. And then you can decide, do I want to keep my payments the same and have it paid off faster? Or do I want to lower my payments and direct those extra payments elsewhere, still pay it off in the next six or seven years? And by the way, we talked about with our last last question, we talked about SoFi when she did that. But realize also SoFi is for people with great interest rates. So she also should check. Magnified Money. I mean, Magnified Money is our sponsor for a specific reason, which is because you can look at about 92% of the different refinance options out there where SoFi is going to be just one of those. So I need to make sure I mention that too, because we have these people on board. We should be telling people to use them, not because they're our sponsor, OG, but because... They're, yeah, they got good stuff. Yeah, they're our sponsor for a reason. We did that on purpose. Let's talk about her mortgage options now while we're on this, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are comparing mortgage options. She gave us three, getting FHA with as little as 3.5% down 
She says, however, it would hurt her that she could never cancel the mortgage insurance. However, at least it'd be a tax deductible expense when she itemizes deductions. Second is a conventional loan, also tax deductible, obviously. Try to take advantage of being able to cancel it with automatic termination when her mortgage balance reaches 78% of the original value of the property, no appraisal, or final termination when she reaches the midpoint of her loan when it's interest-only product, have a balloon payment, or were given forbearance by her lender. You can tell she's done her homework on this, by the way. Or she's a lawyer. Or third, or avoid mortgage insurance altogether while putting no money down by utilizing a combo loan where she does, you know, an 80% loan for one and 20% for the other. She said she can also look into some specific products like one with Bank of America, no fee mortgage or the TD Right Step mortgage. So I think looking at those OG, this is when we have to look at, we do have to do a little bit of prognostication on interest rates. I don't think... And I don't think this is me guessing. Interest rates aren't going to go much lower, right? I would concur with that. Yeah, that seems to be what most people say. So that's not guesswork as much as just common sense looking at where mortgage rates have been. They're historically the lowest forever, pretty yeah. much ever been. So. Yeah. So if I'm looking at that, they're going to stay the same or they're going to go up. And if that's the case, if I'm in an FHA loan and I'm going to have PMI, I'm going to have to refinance my way out of PMI. And if I refinance, I'm going to have to refinance probably at a higher rate. Well, at the same rate or probably higher. Yeah, if that's... A conventional loan takes that away. So... I despise PMI. It is nothing more than an arbitrary money grab by banks. That's all it is. I mean, I know what it's for. Right. But it's ridiculous. So do everything in your power to avoid PMI. Or to not have to refinance your house... Because of the fact that what I was thinking when it came to having to refinance out of it is also the fact that the way that amortization tables work, right? Most people don't understand this, that if you have a rate, even if it's 4%, you're paying Mondo interest up front because it's not a straight all line yeah. over the 30 years. The bank gets all theirs up front and then you pay very little interest later on. So right. let's say that you refinance five years into the loan. You didn't pay 4%. You paid like 60 Five percent or seventy percent right. or some huge. Yeah, it's number. all interest. Yeah, yeah. You made no progress on the loan. So I want to refinance as little as possible, Two times as possible. Yeah, yeah, I want to keep that loan if I can. And I saw these people, you know, refinance all the time. They go, "Well, I have an eight percent loan now." Remember those days? I have an eight percent loan now. Well, it's that's different, and, and now it's going 6%. from eight to six, six to five, five to four, four to three and a half. Yeah, but you're still. But every time you refinance, you're just resetting the clock on this big chunk of money you're paying banks. You're not going from eight to six. You're going from 70 to 65. <laughs> yeah, what a deal. Yeah, right. I just added that on the mortgage thing. Try to do 15 years. Oh, I know you hate that. I do hate that. I like the 30 and pay extra every yeah. day, but especially if you look at disability statistics, I mean, or it, just have a really good disability policy. Yeah. Okay. Next letter. This is why I love these. I just said that just to have you. <laughs> just to the stir eye the hole. pot. Next question comes to us from Anna. Anna actually wrote to us because she signed up for the Stacker, our newsletter. It's generally been weekly, but we took a long break while we were retooling the show. And I sent out a Stacker newsletter last week about quite a few different things. So head to the Stack Benjamins website, sign up for the Stacker, and you'll get these random thoughts about money from Joe. But Anna, in response, said that she and her husband want to buy a home probably in between two and six years. She said she's a bit of a nervous Nelly about finances and wants to learn what the real costs are and the best ways to approach it. They're balancing this with beefing up their retirement and knowing that we may need to buy one 
to two new but used cars. So new to us cars. Within the same period, we'll get a house. So they're managing a variety of things. I wanted to answer this, even though it wasn't specifically a letter to the show, OG, because it was a letter to us. And I think that there's a lot of things to think about when you think about buying a house. And I think number one is when you buy a house, people think that just the cost of the mortgage and maybe even the insurance and the taxes, right? That that's the cost of the house. Your costs jump a ton when you go from being a renter to being a homeowner. There's a ton of stuff. I mean, you've got lawn mowing and mulch that you have to buy and utilities that are sometimes included in the rent higher if you have them subsidized in your rent or maybe just have a bigger place or a less well insulated place you know i've heard this statistic and i think it kind of feels right tell me if you think this is right that you should plan on one percent of the purchase price of your house per year in maintenance costs how's that feel for you guys one percent a year like you know you go why is all my grass dug up and then you ask your neighbor, you go, why is my grass dug up? This happened to me the other day, right? Why is my, or not the other day, last year. But it's like, it's like my grass looks like it's just been rototilled. He goes, oh, you have a animal that is digging in your grass. So I call the animal people and they set out traps and it was like 280 bucks. Yeah. And they got one, right? That's a, I didn't plan on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was that? You Was that your youngest kid they caught? No, it wasn't. Oh, but. You know, and then you go, oh, I'd like to have some flowers out here. So you go to Home Depot and you get a flat of flowers. And, you know, I mean, does that kind of feel like it to you? Like about 1% of the purchase price you spend on just stuff associated with the house? Every year? Yeah, every year. Yeah. You know, you go, I think I want to take that tree down or I don't really feel like trimming all that stuff. I'll hire some guy to come in and do it. And here's 200 bucks, you know. So that feels right to me. That feels maybe a little high. Maybe it's not 1%. But there's maintenance and that's the biggest piece that people forget. And then the thing that we're going through, we had a big storm not too long ago and it caused a lot of damage. And where I live, the wind and hail damage is a very expensive proposition on homeowner's insurance and the deductible is 1%. So whatever it costs to fix my house, I have to pay 1% of that cost, which, you know, if you have to redo your, I don't even know how much roofs are, but you got to do a roof for $20,000, you got to write a check for two grand to get that thing done. You know what I mean? So obviously taxes, obviously insurance, obviously higher utilities, all that sort of stuff. And there's other like weird things. Like for example, we have more TV outlets in our house than we did in our other house (laughs) and in our apartment. Right. I mean, so what do you have? I mean, you have another TV, right? You have a TV in your bedroom, don't you? Right. Yeah. You have a TV in the living room. Right. Do you have a TV upstairs? Yes. Yeah. And so what comes with each one of those? A cable box. Right. Right. At $10 a month. Right. You know, it's just like little things like that that you go, oh, yeah, I guess my cable bill went from $65 to $165. Holy cow, man. I'm just making it up. I'm not saying it really did. But you got to buy a lawnmower and put gas in the lawnmower. Right. And dang, the weed whippers out of of string. Out (laughs) of whips. Right. I'll run to Home Depot and get that. And it's purchase price, I would say use 1% of the purchase price as your budget for maintenance. Try that. Good stuff. Your thing, I would just add to it, your thing of saving that money, pay that mortgage payment Yeah. before you go to buy the house, do that now. You got six years to go. Start paying that mortgage payment, quote unquote, now, and you'll end up with a big fat cash reserve. 
Yeah, get used, used to the feeling. Get, and all that other sort of stuff. Get used to the feeling now by paying whatever the difference is between your oh, rent. Oh, there's setup fees. Oh, you want to, oh, you'd like to have electrical service? Sure, yeah. that's a $200 setup fee. What the hell are you talking about? The wire's already here. Flip a switch. We always say we're going to get to a bunch of letters and we never do. I'm looking at the we clock. It's kind of do a bunch, it feels like. Uh, we got time for one more. No, okay. I think we've done three. Next is, well, if... Roll. Right. If Allie hadn't asked us the world's longest question, Allie, we're blaming it on you. We're throwing Allie under the bus. Sure. That's the deal. Next letter comes to us from Dave. And Dave's wasn't a specific question. We talked about Bitcoin again a few weeks ago. And Dave, Dave, you got to know, he's rolling his eyes. But on the round table, we talked about Bitcoin. And we talked about how at an adult club, OG, because I got to bring you up to speed because you aren't in on the round table group episodes. No, everything there is to know about adult clubs. Yes, you got that down. You got that part. I saw you perk back up all of a sudden. I'm on right? adult clubs. I'm in. <laughs> right. So in Switzerland, somebody put some hidden cameras and then told people that went into these adult clubs that he was going to out them if they didn't pay them some bounty. Ransom money. Right, yeah, okay. ransom money in Bitcoin. And then we're talking about in Bitcoin. And by the way, what the roundtable said was totally what you would say. If you're going to go in those places, just own it, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Just say, go ahead. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But we were talking about Bitcoin and we all agreed. We've all studied Bitcoin, but we still don't really get it. And Dave from the New York budget.com. Dave always writes in whenever we talk about Bitcoin. Frank, we haven't heard from Frank a little bit either. He often writes in too, but he said, the easiest way to think about Bitcoin is that it equals cash. It's just a digital form of cash. He said, illegal activity happening because it's anonymous. Yup. Think of it like cash, right? That's why they wanted to get paid in Bitcoin. The ransomers wanted to get paid in that because it just is cash. No transaction fees when paying someone in it. That's right. Just think of it like cash. Regardless of whether or not you like Bitcoin itself and regardless of whether or not Bitcoin sticks around, I like the idea of a digital form of cash. Bitcoin wasn't meant as an investment, e.g. Forex trading is a byproduct of currency, not the point of it. It's just meant to be cash. The only difference being it is not controlled by any one government, so it's easily exchangeable all across the world. It's cash. It doesn't have all those physical limitations. It feels like in the age where so many people have benefited from going digital, I just love the idea of all the benefits of cash going digital as well. And then Dave says, okay, okay, ran over. Sorry. He promises to leave Bitcoin alone at least for a while. At least, OG, until we bring up again that we don't get it. And there's nothing that Dave wrote that I don't get. You get all that? I get all that. We got a kind of a trash dump by our house. So I went over there and... Dumped all your Bitcoin? No, I went through all... (laughs) I just started tearing hard drives out of computers. I got a whole garage full of them because... I guess that's where they keep Bitcoin. So <laughs> I just got a whole bunch of it. Because those are all stored on hard drives somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, I was... Yeah, so as you can see, Dave, we get it. We totally get it. And now we're accumulating hard drives. We're going to be like the, who are the twins, that the Voldemort twins or whatever that control. Voldemort twins. I don't think that's it. <laughs> that's it. Voss twins. Names, yeah, their name's not Voldemort. Voss. Yeah. Isn't it Voss? Good stuff. You know what? I'm looking at the clock and we've got to stop. Man. It's not boss either. It's like. Yeah. Uh, Finkel Wonkel. Einhorn. Definitely Einhorn. We could look it up. We're sitting here with laptops in front of us at the card table. We don't have time to. Winklevoss. Winklevoss. It is. The Winklevoss. get it. Bam. Got it. Oh, see, I was saying it with the German W pronunciation. Winklevoss. Winklevoss. Yes. Gotcha. All right. We've got letters from Jeff, Drew, and uh, anonymous student that we didn't get to. We'll get to those either Thursday or early next week. And we've also got uh, stacks behind then. So if you send us a letter, we're working on it, folks. Send us your letter, joe at stackingbenjamins.com. 
lot of letters about houses today, OG. I feel like we spend a lot of time talking about buying a home. Yeah. And then if I don't get off this podcast and start making some money, I'm going to have to sell my home. And just live in the front yard with that animal that is apparently tearing up your yard. That was last year. So Yeah, not good. But you know what? Focusing on the home, I think, is a good point because you should focus on the major financial periods in your life. And buying a home is one of those biggies. biggies. Yep. It's huge. I like the fact that people are thinking about it six, eight years ahead of time. Like when we were talking to the, you know, they're like, oh, maybe in six years I'd like to buy a house. Yeah. I didn't buy my first house six years in advance. (laughs) I bought it like six days in advance. (laughs) Let's think about it now. You should buy a house. Why don't you think about that? Well, we've seen those statistics about retirement. People spend more time planning vacations than they do planning their retirement, which is is sad. So the house, retirement, those are two big things. You know, we even talked about another expensive one, long-term care, planning for when bad things. We always talk about the good things, right? Buying a house, retiring, doing things that are fun. I think we also got to worry about what are those biggest potholes? And certainly long-term care is one of those. What happens if I get disabled? You know, there was an analogy a friend told me, and I used to talk about this when I would give workshops back in the day when I was doing that public relations stuff. I'd talk about how this guy told me that he was an engineer and would build highways. And whenever they build a highway, they would think about every single thing that went wrong first, right? And they would take away all those things. And only once they dealt with what if this happens, what if this happens, only then would they build. And I think that's what you should do in your financial plan is say, okay, I want to get started, but what if this happens? And and it's okay to say, I don't have an adequate plan, but the fact that you've consciously thought about it so that when it hits, you're not completely surprised. That's what always frustrated me was some fairly obvious things would hit people's financial picture and they're surprised. I think the problem with that is that it's, it's not exciting. <laughs> you know, it's always- like going, hmm, so if I got hit by lightning tomorrow... <laughs> Who would get my stuff? Would it go the right way? I just had a client pass away suddenly, just 50 years old, nothing wrong, done. And, you know, for me, that's a big, like, it's a huge panic moment, right? I'm going, oh my gosh, should we do everything? Is everything the way it should be? And so far, I haven't uncovered any problems yet, but I'm scared to death that it's not exactly the way that, you know what I mean? Because you go, ah, 50, yeah, yeah, I'll bring that up at the next meeting. Yeah. You know, I know their beneficiaries probably aren't exactly right, but I'll, so, you know, 50, we'll bring that up next time. So, um, that's funny. I remember in the early days of the show, we talked to a guy, Adam Baker, who had written a, or had created a documentary about life and about dying. And he made a great point, which is people don't die at the end. Like we think that we die at the end of the story. We die in the middle of the story. Like we always have stuff going on. You know, he tells this great story about a woman who's on her deathbed. She's clearly going to die in the next day. And she's talking about an appointment that needs to be canceled that's three days from now and about who's going to feed my cat. And like her relatives are sitting around her like, this is your last 24 hours. Yeah. And you're still, you can't get your head out of the middle of your story. You've got all this stuff that you're planning that you're never going to see. Oh, I see the analogy now. Yeah. Yeah. We die in the middle. We don't die at the end. But we think about it when we're planning as if I'll wait for the end and then I'll. Yeah. As soon as 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 I'm about to die, then I'll get my safe plan in order. (laughs) I'll set the stuff up. (laughs) Speaking of, man, we killed the podcast there, huh? We uh, took a lot of fun stuff. and exciting news. (laughs) Just made it morbid. All right. On Wednesday, a top five coming your way. I'm not going to tell you what the top five is because it's going to be a controversial one. We're going to stir the pot a little bit here on Wednesday, OG. See everybody then. Stacking more Benjamins. 
This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC. Copyright 2016. The show is created by Joe Saul Sihai, co-written by Brent Selmans, edited by Isabella Bianca, and engineered by the one and only Steve Stewart. Special thanks to listeners who have written in to say how much their kids love my sophisticated humor on this podcast. Send all requests for signed photographs or memorabilia to the show, and I'll be sure to show it to Joe's mom to prove to her once and for all my fans are not only literate, they're old enough to write. Special thanks to Joe's mom for bringing scented candles down to the basement. Nothing says podcasting with a bunch of dudes like scented candles. Hey, if you're new to the show, welcome to this portion that doesn't exist. We call this the after show. In public, we call it dessert. If you have to talk about it in public, shouldn't talk about it in public. I accidentally did my friend Tony online. I call Tony my friend because we talk all the time on Twitter and I've never met Tony. But Tony's the kind of guy that you just know you'd sit down and have a beer with and it would be fantastic. Long discussion also with Greg last week. Greg lives in Iowa and I said, you know, after I go to the south of France, maybe I'll go to Iowa because very similar places. We were talking about the wire cutters, though. Yeah, bolt cutters to break into the uh, other people's storage facilities. I don't know if if I've talked about this before on the show. I have a friend uh, here in town, and we have lunch together every Friday. You know this guy. Go on. So we're sitting at lunch, and he and his wife go to lunch, and Cheryl comes sometimes, and some other friends. So it's kind of like we have a table every Friday, and it's random people that show up. But it's always like three of us, and then sometimes it's eight people, sometimes it's five, whatever. Do you go to the same restaurant every Friday? We do, and I hate it. I can't stand this restaurant we go to. Uh, have you been there, Tamales? Uh, I don't think so. No? No. We got to go there sometime. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think after your raving Yelp review, I think I'll pass. I just do a great job <laughs> of selling it. Yeah. Like, I hate this place. We should go. I do. I only go there because I like the people that hang out there. So anyway, so we go to lunch on Friday. And um, so tamales is not going to be a sponsor of our show. And we're sorry, tamales. And so we're talking about doing it in weird places. And he went to Texas A&M, right? Big Aggie. In fact, almost everybody at the table but me is an Aggie. So they're all wearing A&M stuff. I show up in my son's UT, you know, shirt because I didn't go to UT, but my money goes there. So I show up with a UT and they won't even talk to me that day. But we're sitting there and we're talking about weird places. And he said... A&M Stadium is called Kyle Field, and it's this straight up and down state, huge place. And he said, he said, yeah, Christy, his wife, Christy and I went in there at late at night one night and did it on the 50-yard line. 
And what's funny was the way that he said it, everybody at the table would have thought he was joking, except she was sitting right next to him. And she turned, dude, she turned so beat red that it was clear, like Hal was passing it off like it was just a funny joke. And they actually did it. 50-yard line at a college football stadium. So did they need the bolt cutters then? Is that what you're... Yeah, that was the whole bolt cutter thing that I was thinking at the start. I'm like, oh, I know a story about that. Here's a bolt cutter. I think it was actually open. I don't think they used bolt cutters. (laughs) So I think they found some opening and uh, scored a touchdown on the 50-yard line. How about that? Good work. Could you do that? I don't think I could do that. There's two ways to think about that question, I suppose. I don't think... Could I or could I? Well, let's talk about it this way. I think I'd have performance anxiety, even with nobody in the stands. I see. Just, I don't think with stands that fit like 90,000 people and I'm on the 50-yard line, I don't think I could do that. Okay. Good chat so far. Could you do that? Never been presented with the opportunity, so... Next college football stadium I'm in, I'll check it out and I'll let you know. I'll report back. Well, maybe. Mrs. OG probably won't be involved because she's not into that sort of stuff. See so it to be out there alone? <laughs> <laughs> Could you make that happen? Be a little awkward. Security the guard next, shows. Next, next time I'm going to be in the 50, <laughs> yeah, the 50 yard line in a college football field, there will be 90,000 people around. Security guard shows pardon, up. Pardon, pardon the, me, sir. Like, the, I'm, just, I'm testing something out. Just give me a few seconds. <laughs> No, I think I got it. Give me a moment. <laughs> give me a moment or give me a hand. One of the two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.